Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Jimmy, we're here doing the thing. Yeah, Friday. Woo! Um, we've been taking a journey on this that has been so fun. And I'm going to say a number here that might blow people's minds if they're just tuning in. We are on part 12. And somebody goes, well, I'm going to stop listening right now because I hadn't heard the other 11. No, 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 no. You had you you wouldn't have have to have heard the other eleven. They're all threaded together. It's a journey, but you can jump in on this one and get something, and it'll entice you to go back and hear the rest of them. So that sounds like a good time to have on a Friday to me. Why not? Two curious guys uh, with a cocktail. I'm just kidding. I wish I had a, cocktail. <laughs> a fireplace yeah. and uh, you know just shooting the shit. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, as we build on where we were last session, we really dove deep into this idea of helping you as a leader of leader in sales, stay on the journey for the long haul. You know, it's one thing to reach success. It's another thing. Can you sustain it? Can you take the new ground and then can you hold the ground? So that was where we were spending some effort and energy uh, giving people a way to understand that. Now, what we want to do here is really run through the tape. We've got a finishing piece to put in place. And if you don't have this finishing piece, um, you're not going to be ready for that inevitable moment that comes. You take these other parts and you apply them, you are going to climb the mountain. You're going to move the rock. You're going to hit the peak. But peaks don't last forever, do they? Yeah, the peak might stay there, but I might fall off, right? Um, either I'm not smart enough or focused enough or just, you know, life has a way of just uh, bringing that velvet two by four right across your, you know, your jaw and just saying, hey, it's time to wake up, you know, yeah. break out of that complacency or that uh, lull of salt self-satisfaction or wherever, whatever it might feel like. Yeah, well, and and, you know, as a leader, it's, it's essential to keep advancing. And so, yeah, you can either get knocked off or you reach that peak, you keep advancing, you went up, you're going to go down. And I know we don't want to think about that, but, you know, motivation can shift, market can shift. And, and the people that learn how to stay on the climb, thus the title of this podcast show, Keep the Rock Moving are people that appreciate this reality that uh, these valleys come. We keep moving. And it's the valley that helps us enjoy the peak. If it was all flat, it wouldn't feel as fun. But it doesn't mean it um, is simple or easy or doesn't take its toll. Uh, we find the way to keep advancing. So when we start talking about getting knocked off the peak or inevitably 
coming to something's decline, our sales leadership process stops being as effective. It's gone from great to good. We built it from good to great, but now it's going from great to good. Uh, Our team has a little bit of atrophy or lethargy in it. There's not a vision that we're all rallied around that is activating our best. Uh, what comes to you? What comes to mind for you, Jimmy, when you've walked teams and individuals through this? Well, it's. I mean, it, it feels very personal for me. Um, you know, uh, I uh, I'm the kind of person that likes to be solving puzzles, and I've recognized uh, that I'm the kind of guy that can get to that peak of success, but. Um, but get bored. Um, I, I, I don't know how I can articulate it well, right? I haven't probably gotten the right, <laughs> I haven't spoken to the right professional yet who can help me synthesize what's going on with me, but I think I get bored or I don't feel like I can add value or something. And I will take three steps back just so I have another puzzle to solve, you know? Uh, and I do it with my exercise. Um, I'll hit that peak and then the motivation to get back in the gym um, is tougher. Um, I can do it with my with my business. If I'm not careful, I can get to a peak and then I can um, um, I can self-destruct. And I, I think I also, you know, Chris, I think it's very common for us as human beings to uh, not live in that middle, right? It's either good or bad. Uh, and I tend to I tend to be a very judgmental type of person. Uh, so I live in good, bad, will or won't work, can or can't do it. Um, and I have to stop myself and and think in a more sophisticated way about what else is possible. Like, um, you know, there is something in the middle. There's something between those extremes. Yeah. I love that you brought up such practical examples. Uh, thinking of working out, man, it's like when you first start back, if you've missed for a while, it feels amazing. Like you're sore, you see the effects, right. but then, yeah, you hit those plateaus and, and, you know, sometimes you hit a plateau and sometimes you maybe hit something else in another part of your life that wrecks your ability to go to the gym. Um, this reverberating effect from one category or piece of the pie in one part of your life spills over to the other parts. And so appreciating that means this, uh, the nature of change is so dynamic. It's not static that people like us. And that I think is most of the people who are going to most likely be listening to this are activated by the challenge. So, so what we have to be careful of is because we, we bring a lot of energy into ordering chaos once things get very ordered, we can actually introduce chaos in a self-sabotaging way to get ourselves engaged again. We see this a lot with executive leaders because, you know, for those that haven't learned the difference between lighting fires, fighting fires, and ignoring fires, often what got them started in their leadership uh, journey was energy to solve the problem or fight the fire. And after they've been firefighting for a while, if they were effective, maybe they don't have a fire. And they'll often then, and there's a time to intentionally light a fire and create a urgency. They'll oftentimes create something 
And now they're fighting a fire and they're complaining about it with like a smoldering match behind their back. Um, and so if you're in a place where you feel like, man, you're never getting to that peak, you're never getting off that treadmill. Sometimes there's a hard look to take in the mirror and go, am I doing something that is keeping me engaged, but blocks me from being the kind of leader who sustains? Um, what's that bring to mind for you? Um, yeah, you know, I talk often about the first 15 years of my career as a salesperson and um, um, the pressure created for me looking back i didn't realize this during it but uh during the time but i i worked with eight different companies in a 15-year period mm. um and you know what what that created for me was a furnace you know the kind of pressure that forced me to become a top performer within a within my first year on the job which which helped me create the wins methodology and allow me to kind of come in and be that hero um, and then, of course, later systematize it so I could help others. But, you know, when I think about the reason why I needed to start over again was because I love that feeling, right? I, I could I could never not work for a startup. I could never not work for a company that wanted to achieve growth they had never achieved before. I, I always had to be part of something really difficult, solving difficult problems to feel energized and to feel like I was um doing something worthwhile um and um yeah man i mean so, yeah so i i self-sabotage in that regard i mm. create a reason or excuse to leave each of those companies at the top right and looking back you're like wow if i had stayed with that company and participated in that ipo that would have been cool <laughs> so then you start like, oh. <laughs> those those 3 a.m thoughts man Ugh, they'll they'll get you hey question for you that is so related to this what were you ever in one of those eight companies and saw that they were about to peek out and hit a ceiling and thought some of it was self-sabotaging so not taking that away from your awareness there for sure but was there ever you know, maybe a secondary reality uh, in those moves, or maybe a primary reality in some of them, where where you went, they're at the ceiling of who they're going to become, and to stay here is to drag me down. Yeah, there's no question about it, and and it's take it's taken me time to parse, you know, the uh, explanation or the reasons from the excuses. Right, so you can self sabotage and and make up reasons that make you feel better about something you're doing that isn't really in your best interest. Uh, but yeah, there's no question. I mean, of those eight companies, I still was able to participate in five exits, uh, two IPOs, et cetera. Uh, but you know, what I, what I lost was what I couldn't imagine at the time. Um, what I lost was the opportunity to stay and be part of something and then, you know, who knows what we could have done together, right? That that commitment to a vision of the team that um, could have created something that I wasn't, either I was too immature or just was too self-involved to think about. Yeah. Um, and of course that's changed, but. Um, yeah, dude, thank you. Well, what we wanna do is give people three keys, how to evaluate an environment that is peaking so that they can 
be informed and aware. They can check themselves before they wreck themselves as the leader or be educated about maybe they need to prepare to go. Now, we're not going to give you a way to recognize, although these three will apply, um, just plateaued or descending organizations. We're trusting that that the listeners out there know that. What we want to help you do is see the conditions for the fire before there's a fire, to see the smoke before there's a fire. We're going to give you three realities that you can look for to recognize an organization that is peaking out and is going to start declining. You say, but I lead it and I'm going to see those? What? No. This will show you how to reinvent. This will show you what to look for. Um, And the mistake that we can call out before we get into these three is when you are in a descending organization or a team that is peaking out or or it's, it's about to, the leadership starts making up for a lack of clarity or an increase in clarity with an increase in intensity. They just ramp up the pressure, ramp up the intensity, ramp up the hype speeches in the sales leadership meeting. As they turn these up, uh, this is a clue and a signal. If they're not also turning up the clarity, they are doing what uh, an organization that is in danger uh, will do. Here's the first one. Number one, the vision is stale. It's not fresh. The organizing metaphor that the team is rallying around isn't something that is stimulating their dopamine. Um, you know when you are a part of a team, and if if people listening to this have never been a part of a team that has this happening, then find a way to get in this environment because you need to know what a real powerful environment can be like so you can start to train yourself for all the ways that most environments fall short. It's like counterfeit money. You don't learn what counterfeit money is by handling all the counterfeit, but by handling the real thing. Handle the real thing enough, be in a powerful winning atmosphere, you're going to learn that. So when you're a part of an environment where the vision isn't stale and the values are fresh and the strategy is passionately adopted by everyone, the organizing metaphor in their brain has them excited to sacrifice. That's the key. They're excited to sacrifice. Um, so this this clue, this big signal, is something you got to watch out for. Uh, and I'm guessing you've never worked with a team or an organization that had a stale vision and metaphor. No, I was going to I was going to ask you a question about this because yeah, I think it's it, it's really interesting. You know, when I left college, I worked for a year in the insurance industry, and you know there. This is not to you know pile on the lack of creativity in the insurance industry. They don't need it, right? They make gobs of money, but there is there are pockets of creativity. Um, I was not in one of them, so uh, at that time, uh, so it was a state environment, and the only vision, the only inspiration, was to just do your job, mm. right? You were just doing stuff. And the only way you'd be happy in that job is if you had something outside of work that defined your life. And that just wasn't how I was built. Um, I need to be, I need to have my work for right or wrong, be a big part of defining my, my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess a question back to you, you know, is this, could this be what you described? You know, companies are so poor often at, codifying a vision and communicating that vision to their employees in a way that's sincere. 
and authentic. And um, I mean, there are certainly exceptions out there that do it right. I wonder if this is why I was attracted to startups. And um, because when you're in a startup, there is so much that doesn't have to be organized and spoken to the team. You all know you have zero revenue. You all know, everyone knows they have to get more clients and you don't need, you don't need this articulate communication strategy. We're, we're all feeling it. In fact, that's why we're all there for the same reason. So when, when, it, when an organization is struggling or is climbing that mountain, is it easier to codify a team and communicate that vision than when you're a large organization and maybe it's harder it's harder to uh to um find that vision or you know harder to kind of yeah intuitively see the things that can energize you outside of just doing your job absolutely absolutely there's a saying in like organizational change that i love it's easier to have a baby than raise the dead um so the idea being yeah you, wow. you know in my experience having led in three turnarounds once people have lost heart that and now they're defeatist to get them to rally around a vision that it can turn around is so hard to get a to get a stagnant organization or an organization that have to doesn't have to work too hard for it like you were describing earlier you know, that's a medium challenge. It is easier in a startup to rally the troops, so to speak, and get everyone to sacrifice. Um, but the sad part is what they could be doing if, if, if there's not a lazy approach to this is embedding a story, mythology, you know, around this, this budding organization that would become a part of its like canon of stories and values and and the folklore. And so I, I do see some uh, startups do it really, really well, but it's a little bit easier to do. And that's why, you know, this is the 12th part of this journey. It's not at the beginning, it's the end when that staleness starts to set in. And once that staleness is there with, with vision and, and values, the next thing that you're gonna see is stuck systems stuck systems you know things then begin to get this bureaucratic layered approach and fix is put on top of fix is put on top of fix is put on top of fix and nothing is really vibrant instead it becomes very complicated and so a healthy organization recognizes our visions become stale we need to refresh a healthy organization also then represents bureaucratic overload has taken over. Um, us making a change isn't as simple as it used to be. And, you know, you've had a lot of experience in startups where it's like you could talk about it in the meeting and it's executed by the next meeting. <laughs> um, when in complicated environments where the organization has all these layers, I mean, things can be talked about forever and before it's even decided on it's already forgotten and then the moment's lost um and this this is so sad and so you know athletics is a great example here the world-class elite coaches don't hype up with a speech and just increase the intensity they give a very clear metaphor 
that calls out everyone's sacrifice. After they do that, they shrink down what they expect of the player in the simplest execution. So they're constantly trying to reduce down so that they can say to that player, you know, whatever the three things you need to always remember are. And so a sign, a clue that you're in an organization that is hitting a ceiling is this bureaucratic overload starts to take over. We don't use systems to serve us. Instead, we start serving the systems. Mm-hmm. And that's the big, the big danger sign. Yeah. So in a sales context, um, when you when you're coalescing a team, and this can be a team built in a 30-year-old company that just wants to optimize their or improve their their approach to market, you know, take the sales uh um skills and connections to the market away from the founders and put it into a team that can propagate growth over time as the founder moves away from the business. But whatever the transition is. Um, guys like me and gals like me who enjoy problem solving, enjoy being the hero, they're going to tend to reject or feel, um, marginalized by systems that are designed to say, look, we don't need you to be a hero. We need you to follow this, (laughs) this approach. And that may also have been something that triggered my departure earlier departure from a lot of these organizations was just the idea that um i wasn't ready um and maybe i didn't believe in the system because so often in in sales um processes are forced onto a team that don't work or that the team doesn't believe works for them which again challenges um their creativity and the value that they bring to the table and um you know signals the fact that they might not be of much value to the to the organization as they once were. Yeah, I love it because this is going to be such keen insight for people to dial into. Um, unhealthy leaders, especially as we've talked about the sales journey, fall to these extremes. And a healthy sales leader understands systems are absolutely essential and necessary. And we can upgrade them, not change them just to change them, but as we need to improve. And so in the early part of this journey, you're learning to appreciate systems. But in this part 12, you're going, okay, I've got an eye to develop where something becoming complicated and bloated and where, where do we need to improve it? It could go from good to great. And what's happening for so many people is either, as we know, in the early parts of this journey, sales leaders that don't have the systemic approach. Uh, now it is, okay, you've been running with these systems. You've been an ascending organization and it works. And man, do it on repeat, 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 repeat for years even. But at some point it's going to stop working and it needs to be improved. So what you're lo- learning to do as a leader a leader of leader in sales is watch to make sure that the vision is hot and captures people's hearts. They're sacrificing for it. Two, that they're willing to embrace change to accomplish that vision. That's the big idea. That the vision uh, is what we're focused on and the change supports that rather than what happens in some organizations where we end up, you know, just serving the complicated systems. 
So, Chris, I have a, interrupt you, I have a question for you. So we talk about vision a lot. And I'm just imagining my own situation where, um, you know, there's a lot of value in being, in being part of an organization that has a systematic approach, especially yes. to sales, which is what we look to build today. So people might be asking, and I might be asking myself, why, James, did you start off not wanting systems and now as you've gotten older and wiser, why are you now mm -hmm. championing systems? And how can you expect a hero, you know, somebody who is used to being, to delivering heroic efforts, how can you expect someone like that to adopt a system? And it comes down, to, it comes back to this word that you use vision, right? So um, is it possible for the leader of an organization that is moving into a more systematic approach and think of a professional football team. I mean, there's, there are football teams out there that struggle to win half their games. And there are those that struggle to stay on top. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I might want to go turn around a poor performer, but man, I'd love to be part of a perennial winner. So, you know, the, the vision is the same for both organizations, win a championship. But in the perennial winner that has the systems in place, it feels to me like, and, and, you know, Bill Belichick's famous quote, you know, do your job, right? Is it possible that a, that a player, uh, someone like me in a sales environment could simply be, could simply adopt the vision of getting better at my job. And by doing so, allow me to find the excitement and energy and going to work every day because I'm attached to a vision that's very personal. And I don't, and, and, and I can just, I, I can let go of that desire to win a championship because now by doing my job, I can be part of a team of other folks who are doing their job. And as long as I have faith in the coach, right. Um, that should satisfy me. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, healthy leaders understand that it's it's my job to make meaning for the team and it's their job to learn to make the meaning on their own it's a okay. symbiotic relationship and part of the way that they can make the meaning is i want to be excellent i want to get better in sales every day i want to learn i want to grow i'm hungry but what you can do is recognize an organization a team in sales that used to be ascending and is going to be descending because they increase the intensity, but not the clarity. So there's a stale vision, but they just yell louder. And there's stuck systems, right? And they just push harder. So, so, but for someone in the midpoint of their journey in being a leader of leaders in sales, yeah, learning how to make meaning with the collective team and or my individual contribution. Both of those are matter. Both of those matter. For that, but for that leader of leader in sales, you know, they've got to make sure every player on the team knows, to your point about Bill Belichick, exactly what their job is. I do this this way over and over and over again. Um and that and you know, obviously that's something you experience all the time. People don't always know that. Very often do they. I think that's what's so fascinating because we're using the sports analogy. I looked at a um, shoot. 
now I can't remember his name, coach at the University of Alabama, where he had it broken down on a spreadsheet to uh, every specific like position, how to exploit it, what the exact details were. It was an amazing sheet to look at because it reflected such brilliance. There was no vagueness. And he could be intense about it as much as he wanted because it was so clear. Yeah. And when, you know, and that's the thing that's so huge. And if you don't have that clarity, okay, and you're increasing the intensity, the vision gets stale, the systems get stuck. So stale vision, stuck systems, sad chemistry, sad chemistry. You don't have this catalytic energy that happens where one plus one equals three. Instead, the energy it takes to go to a meeting, right, to rally the troops, to advance the cause, the energy you would put into getting one step in a healthy organization and you'll get five in this setting, the energy you put to get three steps, you get a half step, you know, or two and a half steps, depending on where it is. So what we're doing is we're learning to recognize again where an organization is about to be descending. And it is in a place where there's not this chemistry of connection. We're not having fun anymore as a team. We're not knowing and being known. And these three will protect people if they learn to watch out for them as leaders of leaders in sales, how to keep the organization ascending and individual players, how to not let a brittle mindset hurt them how to make their best contribution and move on if they need to. Yeah. So challenging. Uh, so many people think of sales, especially as a you know, salespeople are coin operated. They're going to be self-motivated. Um, and, uh, you know, oftentimes managers, because they were top producers, simply have the title of manager, but they just do the same thing over and over again. They just join the rep in the pursuit of deals and they don't provide the level of leadership that uh, you're talking about. We don't know how to, you know, we've been trained. And listen to the outro, get some help. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So hopefully today, as we close this 12 part journey out, you can see this is how you run through the tape to be that kind of leader who has the courage to not trick themselves into whatever reality they wish was there, but to really own it, to not just increase the intensity, but increase the clarity by asking, is the vision fresh? Do the systems need to be updated? And is the chemistry working? Are we having a relationship here? an environment of one plus one equals three. And if they can do that, they'll train themselves to be the kind of leader who can keep climbing those peaks. Yeah. Man, it's awesome. Uh, Now it's just a matter of doing it. That's it. it. That's it. (laughs) Well, cheers to the weekend, my friend. I uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Great stuff. Um, And I'm looking forward to next time. I appreciate it, Chris. Looking forward to the next series. Who knows? Peace, buddy. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, 
at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.